like that song is like way too cool for me. So just imagine something weird and funny playing right now. Uh, I just want to say again, welcome to everybody who's here today. We're so glad you're here, especially if it is your first time. Um, welcome to everyone who's watching us online today. We do have an awesome online service available. We have an awesome production team making sure that's all available for them every single Sunday. Uh, we are all about making sure people can come to church. And if you're able to and you're watching online, we would love to have you here with us in person. There's absolutely nothing like being in person at church with God's people. Come and join us next Sunday. It's going to be an awesome day. Small groups last week were off the charts. We've been doing small groups for about a year and a half now at the, at the way we're doing it now. And we uh, had probably the best rally day we've had yet. We had over 60 people sign up the week before and the day of rally day last week, which is amazing because you're looking around the room, you're like, okay, there's about 60 people here. Um, total, we have over 100 individual unique people signed up for small groups right now which is amazing. We have one group that hasn't met yet, but it has 30 people signed up for it. We have another group that meets on Sunday nights with 19 people signed up for it. And then disc golf, anybody in disc golf, let's go, me. Okay, I'm the only one, thank you. We had 12 people show up, which was amazing. It was a blast. We had fun uh, disc golfing. I was by far the worst one out there, which is fine. I'm cool with that. I could take that hit. I did terrible, but I did have one time where they did use my disc to go, I don't even know what I'm talking about, so disc golf. It was fun. So again, small groups are a blast. This is your time. Why do we talk about small groups every single week? Because we believe that when you are in a small group, in relationship with other people, you are going to grow the most. We believe that that's finding freedom. We all have a past, we have mistakes, we have sin, we have things that happen to us. We have a relationship with God that's, that's vertical. We have to have that relationship with God to do anything. But freedom comes when we have relationship with God's people. And so yeah, that can happen in disc golf, that can happen on a Monday night football small group, that can happen in an intense Bible study, but we need to be in relationship with other people. That's why we put so much time and energy into something called small groups. So take this time, jump in. You can go to our website, you can go to our app, and you can look at all the groups we have. We have fifth or 14 different groups. So last Sunday in that small group I was in, I was sitting at a table with two guys. One was way older than me, and one was just a little bit younger than me. And we were talking about being dads and how difficult it is and how hard it is. And we're, I was learning from different perspectives, different people at different parts of their life. And it was, that's what small groups are about. Even though it was mostly a fun group, we were just chatting about what we need. Today, I'm going to be talking about adoption, being part of the, the family. And guess what? We believe that God has a perfect plan in place. Now, will we ever actually live out every single part of God's perfect plan? Probably not. But I believe God has a perfect plan for you and for your life. And I want to talk about it today, and it actually goes in with adoption. So Anna and I, at the beginning of 2018, we had just celebrated our five-year anniversary, 12, 29, 2012 is when we got married. And we just came back from a cruise, and we didn't have any kids, and like, it was, you know, I'm looking back, it was awesome, right? It was pretty cool. Like, we were by ourselves, and we went on this cruise, and honestly, we just slept a lot because that's what we needed, and we came back, and I don't even know how long it was. It was a matter of weeks 
then we had our, the way we wanted to start our family was through fostering and adoption. And so we had our first foster placement within weeks of coming back from that five-year anniversary. And, and now we're going into our 10-year anniversary this year. We're hoping to go on another cruise, but we've got all these kids and dogs and all this stuff going on now, and we've got to make sure they have a place to go. And it's not as easy, right? But we had a plan to start fostering and adopting. And so later on in that summer, or actually in February, we got our first placement, and then we got our second placement. But in the summer... We had, uh, we, we found out about a little boy, he was six years old, and his name was Dalton Lee Stewart. So some of you are like, okay, what does that mean? Most of you probably know our son Isaiah, his name is Isaiah Dalton Lee Sadler now. But we met him and we found out about him in the summer of 2018. And he had been in 23 different placements, different homes, some of them just a matter of days. I don't even know, maybe some hours on some of them. He was left at a uh, short-term placement for months at one point. But this kid had gone through everything that you could think of, and he's had an incredibly difficult life. But what I want to talk about, and I'll kind of wrap it up at the end with Zay's story, but what I want to talk about is he has had an incredibly difficult life, and and I'm not putting us on the hero stand here because, honestly, I'm talking to some of those dads last week, and I was, I was telling them, I was like, you know, at this point, I feel like I mess up my son more than anybody else. So I'm not saying I'm the one coming in as a hero. I mess up a lot, and I'm trying my best, but who I am is someone that's going to be consistent in his life. And that's all we can be as parents, if anything. We can be consistently there for them. But what I want to talk about is God's perfect plan today. And number one today is God's perfect plan is to adopt us. He wants to adopt every single one of us into his family. Are we his biological children? No. He came and he, he made the Israelites, the Jewish people, are his people. We are adopted into his family. If you're a believer in God today, you are adopted into his family. In Ephesians 1, 5 through 6, it says, For it was always... This is the thing about adoption, like um, the jokes about adoption that come up a lot. I remember laughing at them when I was a teenager because I didn't understand, and now I don't even get them. But people will make fun of kids who are adopted, right? And you hear that sometimes, and maybe you don't, and you're like, what? I don't understand. But adoption jokes are real. So the thing is, it was always God's perfect plan to adopt us. Adopted children are chosen they're chosen by God. They're chosen by the families to be a part of the family. And we'll go a little bit into this even more. But he says this was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. That same exact love that God the Father has for his son, Jesus, is the exact same love that he has for his adopted children, you and I. There's no separation in the level of the love that he has for Jesus and for us. Adoption is to be chosen you are chosen to be in God's family, just like Isaiah was chosen to be in our family. Adoption is by grace and not by right. Yet the adopted kids are brought into the family on the same footing as children at, 
as they are with children at birth. An adopted child comes into your life, and, and Zay has the same exact last name as Moxie, my little baby girl. She's birthed into our family biologically, but my son who's adopted into my family has the exact same last name as Moxie. Same family. My adopted son is just as much my son as my biological daughter is. You are just as much a part of the family of God as anyone that you're sitting next to that you think is better than you. God has adopted you into his family. You are just as much. Number two today, God's perfect plan is to protect us. Now, as a parent, if you've been a parent or if you've seen parents do this, we want to protect our kids, right? And sometimes it's like, I want to protect them from themselves for the most part. I want to keep them from doing things that are destructive to themselves. And, and that's what we do a lot of the times. We destruct ourselves in a lot of ways. But, and God wants to do the same thing for us. Now, Psalm 68, 5 through 6 is incredibly important because God is coming in and he wants to protect you. He wants to be in your life. He wants to do everything that he possibly can to help you. It says God is to the fatherless. He is a father. I grew up without a father in my, ha- my home. I grew up without that. I found awesome father figures in my church. That's why I love church. And I think that's part of the reason thing God used to call me to be a pastor was because I saw how the body of Christ can work as a family. There were men in my church that I would just sit back and watch. L- looking back, I thought everyone, at that time I thought everyone was perfect and I was the only one that was messed up. So I probably watched people a little too closely, but I caught a lot of great things. I saw men praying for other people. I saw them doing amazing things. And some of those guys took me alongside them and took me out to do things I would have never been able to do without them taking the time to do that. You may have a calling on your life to be a father figure for a family or for a child who does not have a father figure. To the widow, he is a champion friend. If you're a widow or a widower, you know that loneliness is difficult, and God is saying he is your best friend. He is here to be a champion friend. And for that fact, too, the body of Christ, the church is supposed to be that, too. That's another reason we do small groups. We have people who are widows, widowers in small groups that are finding that community that they don't have otherwise. God's saying to the widow, he is a champion friend. To the lonely, he makes part of the family. We've all dealt with loneliness here and there. God is saying, I am going to make you part of my family. You are part of the family. God wants to take you and put you in there. The prisoners, he leads to prosperity until they sing for joy. This is our holy God in his holy place. Now, protection of the helpless and judgment of the lawless marks true kingship. We are called, if we're in leadership, to protect the helpless and to bring judgment to the lawless. When we're in leadership of any capacity, we should help protect those who need protected and find justice for those who need help. God adopts those who are fatherless, widowed, lonely, and prisoners. He takes us all into his family. He wants to bring every single person, no matter what your story is, no matter where you're coming from, he wants to bring you into his family and adopt you into his family. Number three today, God's perfect plan is to provide for us. Now, a lot of us guys, like, we automatically think of this because it's been ingrained in our brains, but we are called to provide for our families, right? 
That is a calling from God that he calls us to do, but he is the actual provider for all things. And when we can decide and realize that God is the provider for everything that we will ever need, then we will be able to be a better provider for our families. We will be able to provide for our families when we put our trust in God on what he wants to do. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. Paul uses this, this word mercy. It says to have mercy more than any other New Testament writer. And it's incredibly important to him because God has mercy, but it's saying we should be watching this mercy and we should be giving this mercy more than any other people on the planet. We should be giving mercy the way that God is giving us mercy. Do, you under, do we understand sometimes that we get so entitled with our faith that we forget that God owns everything and he is giving the, us these things even though we're not worthy of any of it. And so then we get entitled for it and we believe that it, we should have it and get it no matter what. But God is saying, I'm giving you mercy by giving you all these things. I'm blessing you because I'm a merciful God. He's bringing you into his family because he's a merciful God. He's bringing you into his kingdom because he's merciful Verse 4 says, he always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring the same comfort that God has poured upon us. Who has been through a trial before? You don't have to raise your hand because everybody's been through a trial. You've experienced something incredibly difficult that you know that is impossible for yourself to be able to go through. It's just, it's just impossible. Some of these things that Paul was talking about, the writer of this passage, is saying they were physical hardships. Some people are experiencing extreme physical hardships. Some of you are in danger physically, spiritually, emotionally. You felt like you're in danger in that way. You found yourself in that spot. Some of you have been persecuted, maybe for your faith, for different things, for maybe no reason. Some of us have anxieties that go beyond our comprehension. We just can't even focus on what things are going. These are the things that Paul went through. If you read through the entire New Testament and see all the areas where he struggled, these were the, the trials, the tribulations, the things that he went through, the suffering that he experienced. Now, what are these comforts that God is talking about? This is like, this is where we want to go, right? Like, okay, I'm ready. Give me the comforts that God wants to give me in the middle of all these trials and suffering and pain and all this stuff. And we, we automatically, especially in our charismatic church, like, we automatically think that God's just going to, like, wipe it all away, Right? Is that where we go right away? We think we're just going to remove it all. It's just going to be no suffering anymore. Guys, what's reality, though? What, 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 what does the Bible actually say? Paul, that happens sometimes. But the most important part of it is that when we are in the trial, that the provider, that the God of the universe is right there with us in the middle of it. Yes, he will remove it sometimes, and I think we should believe for him to do that, but I don't think that we should just put all of our eggs in that basket and say, this is it or nothing. If God doesn't do this, then I'm going to walk away from the faith. God is so much bigger than one tada happening in this world. Paul says it. He says, 
that he went through these sufferings and God was there. And you know what? God gives encouragement. Sometimes he brings people alongside you to bring encouragement into your life. He wants to breathe the fresh air into you. He wants to give you encouragement. And the thing that I notice the most, and this might just be me, is that he gives grace in the middle of these trials and sufferings. What is grace? I've always pictured grace as I'm going to do the very best that God allows me to do. I'm just going to, I'm going to all out, max out. I'm going to do the best I can. And the difference between what I can do and what needs to happen, that's grace. God takes care of that. We were in the hospital, I don't know, six months, eight months ago with, with Isaiah. And these are the stories of adopting a child that has extreme difficulties. Um, we're in the hospital with them, and we just, we're just going. Like, we're just going to go and make it happen and, and get there. You're not going to really read the fine print all the time. I'm sorry. Do you read your iTunes, like, fine print before you sign? You're probably giving them all your money. No, you don't always read the fine print. We get there. He's in there for about a week, and I, we're going to visit him, and I checked on the wall, and it said, we do not accept Medicaid, which he has Medicaid. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and these are not, these are not cheap uh, stays in the hospital. And so at that point, you know, we're kind of like, we do trust God. We had just decided before that to kind of up our giving to God. Just we felt like God was speaking to us specifically about that. That's not a thing I'm saying everybody has to do. But God spoke to us. And you know what we felt right away when I read that? It was still a peace that surpasses all understanding. It wasn't something I could comprehend, but I was thinking like five digits, money having to be paid. And you know what? I, I knew he would take care of it one way or another. I knew that he would take care of it. And I thought, my first thought was that, well, we're going to buckle down on our budget and we're going to figure out how to pay this and, and do all that. And so I, I ended up calling and clarifying and they ended up saying because they're they were a brand new hospital, they said, we're not going to charge you. Yeah, they just gave it to us for free. And, and they said, yeah, later on we'll bill Medicaid. If, if we can get it, we can. If we can't, we can't. And, and some of you may know that how this stuff works better than I can, but we've been in a few of these stays, and it, it doesn't always work like that. And so I know that my best was not enough. What I had in my savings account would not have been enough. But God, who is the provider, who is my father, he has enough to take care of it all. And he could have done that in a hundred different ways. But when we can just trust him because he's going to take care of you, he will. And then we had someone that I hadn't talked to for years send us a check in the mail, and it was just mind-blowing. And God is going to give you grace in the middle of that. You are going to experience grace when you're doing your very best for him, the best that you can possibly do. He is going to take care of the rest, and he's just going to wipe it clean for you. And it may look different. Don't expect it to be the same exact way. But God is doing, grace is doing your best until God takes over to finish the rest. He will do it for you every single time. We can bring him the same comfort. We can bring other people that same comfort in their life, and that's what we are called to do to do. Some people who aren't in a relationship with God, who know nothing about him, they won't know to trust him. It's our job to then take that comfort 
and bring it to other people. And that's, I mean, I'm just thinking of this. This is why we do things like Adopt-A-Block. We go out into our community, and I'll tell you, Facebook is going crazy. People are getting turned in left and right for not mowing their yards and all this, and people are turning them in. But we have amazing people who, I don't even know if they follow God, but they are people that are just going around town mowing three or four yards a day, just doing this thing. And so we're the people of God. We're going to jump in on this, and we're going to go out, and we're going to go to our adoptive block and take people take care of people's yards, and bring comfort to them, the same comfort. Can you imagine sitting in your house, unable to really do much physically, and get out and mow your yard, and then someone just comes up and mows it for you? What kind of comfort will you feel? And then for them to know that it's in the name of God, that a church is coming out to do this, that is how we spread the gospel. That is how we bring Jesus to people, we can't just expect people just to show up in this church building on a Sunday morning. We have to bring it to people. When you go through something that stretches you beyond your ability, your first response should be to extend that same grace to other people. That is who we're called to be. That is who we're called to be. God wants to be a part of that. Proverbs fourteen twenty six says, confidence and strength flood Flood the hearts of the lovers of God who live in awe of him. I love that it says live in awe of him. Most of your translations will say the fear of God. Fear of God gets like a bad rap. It's like you're sitting here trembling, like afraid of him. Yes, we should be because he could literally kill you. He could make you disappear like you never existed, right? That just blows your mind, right? But I love it even more because it says live in awe of him. Like, oh my goodness, that light's out. We've got to get that fixed. God, you are amazing and beautiful and perfect. Can you fix that light for me? And, and their devotion provides their children with a place of shelter and security. So this, a lot of people th- say, well, that person has a great family and they've been raised this way and now they, they get to live off of that. I mean, it is biblical in some sense. It says right here, it, your devotion for God is going to carry over for your children. And that is the goal. We want it to carry over for our children and their children. Really, my goal is for my grandchildren to follow God. And as soon as I find that out, take me. Like, just take me to heaven. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm only 34. I don't need grandkids, okay? We should live in awe of him. When we are humble and just see how big and perfect he is, we can live in awe of how perfect God is. Turn that awe into a lifetime of devotion. We're in awe of God. God, you're perfect. I know you can take care of my huge problems that in five years they're going to be like, why did I even worry about that? Because I serve a God who can take care of everything. He owns everything. Turn that awe into a lifetime of devotion and take care of your family and it will create a safe place for your children. First Peter 1.3 says, Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, who has shown us extravagant mercy, for his fountain of mercy has given us new life. We are reborn to experience, experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What should we do with this? When we're weighed down by everything 
that, that we have going on in our life? What should we do in the middle of being weighed down by life's problems and difficulties? It says, praise God. It's, it's just something, I'll tell you, every single Sunday I come in here and I'm a little overwhelmed by what God is asking me to do, right? If you would know, it's just, it's too much for one person or two people or even a team of people. But we do Sunday morning prayer every single Sunday at 9 a.m. And I'll tell you, there's a huge difference between who I am before prayer and after prayer because I, I surrender that to God, and obviously I should do it beforehand, and I try, but it doesn't work all the time. But after prayer, after I've surrendered, after I've praised him, it changes everything. When we take the time to surrender ourselves and give ourselves to God, we will find that. What does Father God define? That's what I want to look at. It says Father God. What does that mean? The term Father, and I'll just read this out of a commentary I got. As applied to the first person in the Trinity, so the Trinity is three and one, Anna went over that last week with the egg, signifies not that the Father in any way created the Son. He didn't create the Son because the Son existed for all time just alongside the Father, but that he relates to the Son as a Father relates to a Son normally. The Father plans and directs, and the Son responds and obeys. And so we're in the Son position here also. We obey and we respond to God the Father. The Father sends, the Son comes to the Father. It's our job to be in the Son position here. Um, the Father creates through the Son. All things come through the Father, through the Son. When we are adopted by God, we are first given a new life. We are completely made brand new. The Bible uses this term that's really confusing to some that it says we are reborn, like, uh, like we go back up into our mom and we're like, come back out, it's impossible. No, but we have a brand new life that we are, that's given to us that is fresh, it's, ex it's exciting, it's brand new. We can, we can see things with a different lens. God wants to do something through us. And then the second one, we are given an energetic hope, hope that grows as we grow. This is the part about Christians that I've always struggled with because sometimes, now we have a lot of awesome older Christians who have, have this energetic hope, but there are a lot of Christians that I see that don't have that and they seem to get really mad and angrier as they grow. I'm like, how does that work? Because it says right here that we're supposed to have this energetic hope that grows as we grow. Like, we're supposed to get more energized and have more hope for the future than we did before. Now, if we sit and watch Fox and CNN all day, then what's going to happen, right? I used both of them just so I didn't, like, ruffle. I ruffled all the feathers instead of just one. So can I share with you my opinion on how life is playing out right now? Like, right now we have a lot going on in our society, right, in our culture, in, our, in the United States and I've had a few people talk to me about this, and they're like, well, do you think so-and-so is the Antichrist? I'm like, Lord Almighty, like, okay. No, here's the thing. I believe that we are the light, right? And I'll just use it as clearly and cleanly as possible. And no matter what your views are, if it's getting darker outside and our light gets brighter, then who's going to grow the most in the middle of a dark season? The church, the body of Christ, 
Jesus' message is going to be even stronger than it ever has been before. So yes, there will be difficult things that happen. There may be persecution. There may be this or that. But our hope should be growing alongside us as we're growing in our faith. These things, yes, learn, be educated, know what's going on. But our hope, if your hope is shrinking while you're reading that, maybe you need to take yourself away from that for a little while and remember who the provider is who the one is that is going to take you through whatever it is your fear is. Because God wants us to shine in the middle of the darkness. Number four is God's perfect plan is to parent us. This is really difficult, especially if you have any bit of pride in your life. Um, if you have pride built up from, you know, I'm good at this or I'm, I've, you know, built myself up from nothing and, and that kind of thing, which is great. Keep working hard, do all that. But God wants to parent us, and God wants to use some of his people to help parent us. In Romans 8, 15, it says, And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. Full acceptance. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Other translations say, Abba, Father. And some of you may know that that basically in our language just means daddy. So the other day, like Isaiah, he, he doesn't say daddy very often for many reasons, um, and I, my own problems growing up without a dad, I never called anyone daddy. Um, and so I struggle when, if he, he calls me daddy. And so I was caught off guard the other day. I, he said, hey, can I, I don't remember what it was, but he, he asked me if he could have something and I gave it to him. He's like, thank you, daddy. And so I was incredibly uncomfortable. I was like, what? <laughs> and, you know, I ruin the moments when that happens, but I'm trying to grow through my stuff too. He called me daddy because he felt an affection for me. And I'm laying it out here like I'm some nerd, like, you know what I'm talking about. He called me daddy because he had an affection for me in that moment. And, and that's what God wants us to have in our life. You are not a slave to God. Now, some of the scriptures use the slave language so that you understand how it works. But you're not a slave to God. You are a son or a daughter of God. He is your daddy. He is your beloved father. You are fully accepted by him. If you've turned your life over to him, you are fully accepted. You're part of the family. You have just as much right to be in this family as any other person that you're sitting next to. I know a lot of people look at pastors and they're like, well, you, you know by now that I'm not this kind of pastor, but we look at pastors and say, well, they're perfect. Like, they have it easier. You know, they are closer to God. Guys, we're not. Like, we hear from the same God. Now, I read this thing a lot. Oh, this is the iPad. I read the Bible a lot. And I try to learn, and I try to give my life to him, but we are all a part of the family just as much as the other people are. We are all a part of the family. An adopted son in the Roman world in the first century, 
was deliberately chosen by their father, deliberately, because they were going to inherit his estate. So they were deliberately chosen, just like God is choosing you. He is choosing you to inherit his estate. He wants you to inherit everything that he has. He was not inferior because of his adopted status. God has adopted you into his family, and you are fully a part of his family. The other day, um, that was the story about, that I was going to share, I shared with you about Zay, but I was caught off guard by that. The fact that Zay wanted to call me daddy. And sometimes I think our relationship with God the Father is so distant, we feel that distance with him. We don't feel connected like that, but we should be living in a way that we are so connected to him that we would be able to. Now, am I like that all the time? I'm thinking about it as, I'm, as I was writing this message, and I was like, I don't think that I think of him as daddy very often. But he wants that intimacy with us. He wants us to be so close to him that that's our response to him. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a true father to you, and you will be my beloved sons and daughters, says the Lord Yahweh Almighty. Now, I can remember the day, Annie, you can come up, the day uh, four years ago when Isaiah came into our, our home. He came and he stayed with us a, a few times beforehand. There's a transition period of let's see the comfort level and see if he fits in. We had a couple other foster kids at the time, and so we wanted to see if he fit in with our family. For us, we were like, we're going to do this no matter what. We're going to have him come and stay here um, as long as everybody else was okay with it. So he came with us, and he, I remember it just like as clear as day. We came and we met at a McDonald's, which was a terrible place to first meet, but he came and we sat down at this McDonald's right before uh, he came to, to live with us, and I can remember looking at him, and, and I've had a biological daughter now, so I, I understand what parents are talking about when they say there's no love like that, but when you have an adopted child... It's not exactly the same, but I can remember the, the same intense emotions that I had uh, for Isaiah when he was sitting across from me at that table that I can't describe. It, it's like a, I'm so proud of you, and you can almost just see their future. You can see into their future. Now, I can't picture every little detail, but I could see who this little kid was going to become at six years old, and, and I think... And I know that God wants you to know that you may not be his, his, uh, his biological child. You are his adopted child. He chose you into his family, and you are fully accepted, and you have a plan. He has a plan for you and a purpose for you, something bigger than you can ever imagine, and his heart just swells up for you. And he wants you to understand that. He wants you to realize that, yes, we're going to go through these pains. We're going to go through trials and tribulations that we can't even comprehend. But he's right there with you in the middle of that experience. He's right there with you when you're going through it because he's your father. He's your dad. And those words are difficult for some of us to understand because we don't have the perfect relationship with our father or our dad. But God wants to come into your life and he wants to be that for you. 
He wants you to experience that in a way you haven't done that before. Now we adopted Isaiah in August of 2019 and he has been, I mean, you guys, if you know him, he's just like a ball of energy. He's incredibly smart. Uh, he's, he's got an IQ that's like way higher than both me or Anna's. He's an amazing kid. We've had to learn how to protect him. He's a very strong-willed child who out here is strong-willed, who likes to just like push through things and rub up against people. And I'm like, whoa, relax here, buddy. No, it's more than that. But God wants to do something in your life just like that. He wants to protect you. And sometimes we look at the things that God puts in place in our life and we don't see that he's actually trying to protect us. He's trying to protect us from pain in our life. And we have to be able to be provided for by God the same way that we want to provide for my son and my daughter. God wants to provide for you right now. And we have to be able to trust him and find a way to trust him and to be parented. Parenting children is difficult. Parenting adopted children is like a whole different thing. I don't even know how to do it yet. But God wants to parent you. He wants to be there and he wants to be right alongside you. So right now, let's pray. I wanna pray for you guys. God, we thank you today that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. We thank you that you are here today. I ask that you would come into this place and start to comfort people as they're feeling pain, as they're feeling anything going on in their life that they can't understand. I just ask that you would be their comforter right now, God, that you would give them grace, that you would give them encouragement, that you would bring people alongside them to feel your presence, God. If you're here today and you've never given your life to God and you want to do that today, I wanna give you an opportunity. I'm just gonna to count to three and have you raise your hand so that I can pray with you. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Would you pray after me and just everybody pray after me as a sign of your confession of faith to God? Jesus, I give you my life. I give you every part of me. Thank you for changing my life. I want to make you my king. Be my comforter today. In your name, amen. Victory Faith, would you celebrate with us?